Chick Flick Chat is happily brought to you by BetterBrighterEasier.com, home of Rumigator, the natural neutralizer. Rumigator room freshener and linen spray is made with organic essential oils. They harness the power of Mother Nature to make your surroundings smell fresh and odor-free. Just shake and spray it anywhere where you need some freshening. Go greener with Rumigator, available at BetterBrighterEasier.com. Helpful things for a happy life. Enjoy the show. It's Lucy Weston, and this is Chick Flick Chat. Thank you for joining me today. It is March 3rd, 2023. Yes, it's actually March. I apologize. Um, I think in, I can't remember which uh, episode it was, which movie I was doing. It was very recent because it was actually February, and I said it was January in the beginning, and later when I listened to it, I'm like, did I say it was January? So I was off by a month. Um uh, just a little bit of housekeeping beyond that. Uh, we are going to be covering today uh, Love is Blind, which is a reality show that's on Netflix. But before I get to that, and I can't wait to talk to you about it, I've been thinking about it for quite a while. Um, a little bit of housekeeping. So we talked about the date from the previous episode. And also, if you um, thank you to all those who have listened to the Women Talking Chick Flick Chat if you listen to it until the end, I did put a correction, but in case you don't get to the end, I talked about the number of years since something happened in the movie. I was so off on the math and afterwards I laughed and laughed and I thought, well, I'm not going to edit it out because the points I, I, I made regarding the timeline were really important. And I think it's even more important the fact that it was actually uh, 13 years instead of 20 years that I thought it was because my math was really bad. So uh, my 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 bad on that. But overall, I think that the content speaks for itself. So a couple of things I just want to say about the SAG Awards. I, I recently voted. Um, only three of my votes won, which was Sam Elliott uh, for um, 1883, Jace. Jason Bateman for Ozark, which I think he deserved every year to win. Uh, and then I voted for Best on Stunt Ensemble um, for the Tom Cruise movie. You know, the big... Uh, oh, my God. It just... Everybody knows it. It just went out of my head. You know what I mean. Um, Top Gun. Top Gun, the sequel. So I was kind of surprised. There were a few... Uh, items that I thought, huh, uh, I expected Jean Smart to win for Hacks, and she's fabulous in that. Uh, I did vote for someone else just because I felt like she deserved it after being in the business for a long time, and Jean won last year. Uh, I really thought Austin Butler should have won for Elvis, so I'm going to give you my prediction for the Oscars that he is going to take the Oscar he absolutely should get the Oscar for that role and the work that went into it playing Elvis. And you know, I just did a chick flick chat on, on the film Elvis directed by Baz Luhrmann. Um, I personally think that's one of my best chick flick chats. Uh, I hope you'll give it a chance if you haven't already heard it and, and certainly see the film. 
So Brandon Fraser won for the whale. And I totally, as, as a, as an actor, I get it. I get why he won. He's very loved in the business. He's been around a long time. Uh, and he did have some really big troubles in the last like 20 or so years of like sort of getting himself back on his feet. Uh, nothing that was really his fault, just, and I'm not going to go into details on that if you don't already know what it's about, but I was glad to see him win. Um, if Austin Butler hadn't been in that lineup, it absolutely should have been Brandon Frazier for The Whale. Uh, I did not particularly care for that film overall because it's based on a play and that film really should have stayed a play, uh, but he did do a phenomenal uh, performance. Anyway, uh, and then the rest of it, I'm not sure what happened with all that everything, everywhere, all at once. Again, I mentioned this in another Chick Flick chat. Fun, different, kooky kind of movie. I'm not sure, other than Michelle Yeoh, I'm not sure they deserve all these awards. And certainly, I was shocked that they took the Ensemble Cast Award. Especially against Women Talking and Babylon. Really shocked by that. And, And I thought that was a little redundant. Anyway, you know, I don't know. I don't know. This year was a little off for me. Okay, so let's get going. Thanks for let me rant a little bit about that. Let's get going on Love is Blind. Oh my God, I love this show. I love this show. I love this show. So I can't get enough of it. Uh, and I don't know why. I think I think in wanting to do a chick flick chat about Love is Blind... I had to really think about why do I like this show so much? And I'm always talking about it to people. Have you seen it? Have you seen it? Um, and, you know, I had one friend that said that they were watching and I'm like, do you like it? And she was like, yeah, I guess it's okay. I'm like, really? I think it's fascinating. It is, to me, it is a fascinating look at the human condition. And at at things that we, the perception of things and how we see other people and how we see ourselves and what you want in life and what you're searching for, what you think you're lacking in your life that somebody else can give you, all these different elements and, and colors come into it. Um, I mean, colors of emotion. So, okay. I had to think about how I was going to approach this with you. And... Since it is a reality show, and I think I've only done one other of all the Chick Flick Chats, and I think there's like, I don't know, 50 maybe now total of my prior platforms, and now this new platform that I'm on. uh, I think uh, talking talking about people that are individuals on a reality show is not really fair for me to do under this guise of how I analyze movies and I dish the dirt and the details. While I would probably sit at a dinner table and do that with you, I'm not going to do that on the air because these are real people. And obviously, you know that the difference is it's not a movie or a play or, or a television show where they're taking on the individual actors taking on a role. And sometimes I talk about those individual actors, as you know, if you listen to Chick Flick Chat. Uh, but in this case, I felt There's so much to discuss around the whole premise that I don't need to drill down on the individual people or the couples that they make within the shows. Uh, And and also I decided too, I didn't want to do that because if you haven't watched it, I don't want to give away. Part of the fun of the show is to see who is going to 
basically get engaged and potentially get married. And then if they can get to the altar and the, the rocky road they have in a short amount of time. So, okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have a frog in my throat. Um, so I'm not addressing the individuals. Uh, they're not actors, like we said. And, you know, they, they're putting them, these are real people putting themselves out there to find love. That's the basis of this show. Now, are there people that come on this, these type of shows to gain fame, to keep fame or whatever they, they think they have as far as fame on Instagram or having been on another reality show? They, they do jump from one to other, you know, to another. Uh, to maybe to make sales of their clothing line or whatever they're selling. Some people want to be singers, whatever. I get it. You know, we all get that. They go on the show because it's it's fabulous exposure and it's free you know you're and you're sometimes getting paid to be on these shows you're getting paid to you know put out all this free PR on your on your your baby that you're trying to sell um so there are people that go on these shows though I think for real to really do do the experiment and find love or find something that they're seeking or to learn more about themselves. And that's part of the other reason I'm not going to discuss individual people. Because I don't know who's who in that melee that I just talked about. Okay? You can kind of tell with some people. Uh, but in other, other people, you're not sure. Like, you really... And then there's people that surprise you through these shows. And I'm not just talking about Love is Blind. If you watch other reality, some people really surprise you have a lot of depth and, and have a lot to offer. And they're just there because they are seeking something. And then other people are on because... It seems like a heck of a lot of fun on some of them. And, and you know, it, it's, <laughs> I just think sometimes it's really just, they, they're on it because they like to have fun and they're fun junkies and, and they bring a lot of good television. So, uh, and, and in the past, I, you know what, I take it back. I have talked about a reality. I used to cover The Bachelor, uh, but in terms of like a, zeroing down on a reality show and not following the whole season I did do a, a chick flip chat on the housewives when it was new that was years ago uh and I, I should probably go back and re-listen to that and see what the heck I said and how much of it has come true uh, in any case th this love is blind is di very different than the bachelor and uh it's become its own franchise so they have spun it off in the UK, I think it's in uh, Brazil, Japan, and so I've only watched the American version in the USA, and it's on Netflix, so if you don't have Netflix, you might not get to see it, but if you do have Netflix and you're paying that $10 a month, this is worth watching, and I would suggest you start the first season and watch it through, and then you know, the second season and the third. So my my overall review on the seasons is the first season was interesting because it was completely new premise to me and to them and you know everybody watching. Uh, and I liked a lot of the cast and it was an interesting up and down. And there was a lot of roller coaster and um, I found it compelling. I found the people compelling, some of them. The second season, interestingly enough, had some really nice people and they were engaging and, and kind of fun. And, but it was, I just never felt that that cast uh, was cohesive. I never, I don't know whether it was something going on in, in the production. It's still totally worth watching because it keeps you guessing as to who's going to end up kind of with whom in the beginning. And then once you know, 
is are they going to go the distance? So the second season had some growing pains. Maybe the, the sophomore slump. I don't know. It's not a bad show. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's worth watching. It's just you'll you'll it's a little bit different vibe than that first season. Of course, it's a different cast. Uh, and I also felt like with the second season, they when I say they, I mean the production, the PAs and stuff, I felt like they were ginning up some of the controversy or the things that were going on to make better television. Because remember, that's what they're doing. They're making television. And we're, we're going to come back to that point again. Um, and the third season so far has been the best, in my opinion. Uh, I thought overall the cast, intriguing, the, the, the pairing that went on. Uh, I was interested in some of these people to, to see them find happiness and then, and you, you know, they bring their families in too. And there are some family dynamics where some you're like, oh, you're so lucky you didn't marry this guy because of that family. And then there's other ones where you're like, oh, it's a really nice family. You know, like they really care about their 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 child and they want them to be happy and in love. Um, so, th- so that's another layer on it. Uh, okay, I'm looking at my notes. Just give me a second. So the hosts are Nick and Vanessa Lachey. Now, a few weeks ago, maybe even longer now, on Instagram, I saw this on Twitter, there was a big hullabaloo that Nick had thrown Jessica Simpson, who he was previously married to, and remember they had their own reality show for a while, that he threw her under the bus because of something he said. I have to tell you, I don't know what he said. I've watched every episode. He did say something like, yeah, I know about uh, marriage on camera or something, you know, being married on, on under the spotlight. And it, you know, was a little bit maybe of a dig. If you're digging for a dig, I didn't think he said anything bad, but you know, the, the press and I guess the, the inside wheel of putting the words out uh, in terms of the PR stuff is like, oh, Nick gave it to, to Jessica. I didn't get that. And I'm sure Jessica could care less what, what Nick Lachey had to say on Love is Blind. Uh, she has gone on to incredible success and a new marriage and children and everything else. Uh, so Nick and Vanessa, they're good as a team, as the host. You don't see them enough, in my opinion. I feel like they pop in, they do a little bit of the narration, they tell you what's the, the cast, what's going to go on, and how this is going to work, and they do little, you know, summations, and they ask a couple of questions, and then they're gone. I, I don't know why you need both of them. I get it, because they're the married couple, I just feel like, well, if you're going to hold them out to be the married couple, like, let them interact a little more. Let us see Vanessa sitting with the girls more when they're in their, their, their the digs that they, they stay in, you know, the, the accommodations, behind the scene type of things with Vanessa. And the same with Nick. Let him go in and sort of have either little one-on-ones with the guys or in a group and get, get the vibe. So I'm going to break down the premise of how this works. You you get a a group of girls together and a group of guys. They seem to all be mid-20s into their, or maybe mid-30s so far. As we've, I think since season one, maybe if you were a little bit later 30s, but that's sort of the age bracket that I can tell. Uh, They get them together. The guys and the girls do not see each other. Obviously, love is blind, the blind word, right? You're not going to see these people. Um, I don't have any clue about what goes on on the audition process for this particular 
uh, franchise. I, I did know some stuff that went on for The Bachelor and other things, but for this, I don't know. So I'm not sure how they're screening or questions they're asking or why they're picking certain people over other people. And anyway, it's it's a complete mix. Every season has been a complete mix of personalities, looks, races, socioeconomic uh, levels, all different. It's very interesting. And um, so they... So they, they they get these guys and these and the girls, you know, they're cast, and they sh- they get to the place we don't see any of that. You get them, they, they we meet them, and they go into what they call the pods, the love pods, you know, and they're just little rooms. But in the room, there's a glass. It's a frosted glass barrier that separates the the male side from the female side. And there's like a couch on each side and a chair and a little table and they have little, you know, drink stands and they cannot see each other. They can hear each other through the room, um, through the wall, but, and they don't need mics or anything like that. They're, they're speaking at normal level. So, um, it's, so the girls go in, the guys go in on one side and they have dates, what they call dates. Now, Production-wise, it's very interesting because you know you're not seeing the hours and hours that these people are spending with each other. So I guess in the beginning, they do like a round robin. So you go into room one and then maybe the guys are shuffling. So you get it's sort of like uh, what are those things that you do in a restaurant for dating, um, speed dating. I, I suppose that's what they do initially. And then either the guys and the girls... And I, ha- I have, my dog is here and I hear somebody outside, so she might start barking. So forgive me if that happens. Quiet, please be quiet. Thank you, we're recording. Um, so anyway, she, so the guys are in one side, the girl, no, quiet, quiet, thanks. Uh, and, and they get to pick who they like. They keep a notebook and they start writing things down. So it, you see a little bit of the initial meetings, which again, remember, totally blind, can't see each other. I'm also, the one thing I do know is that they are not supposed to describe themselves. They're not supposed to say they're tall, they're white, they're black, they're Asian, they're, you know, they, whatever, they, they have red hair, they have no hair, whatever. You're not supposed to say anything about your physical appearance. This is all based on voice and obviously with voice comes inflection and the personalities and the stories and the sharing that goes on when you are only having an auditory interaction. You're not seeing the person, you're not smelling the person, you're not, you know, touching the person. It's only your ears working. And I find it fascinating. It's fascinating as an experiment. So they go in the pod. I think the process, from what I've pieced together from the three different seasons, is maybe up to about two weeks of pod switching. And they spend a lot of time as they start to individually narrow down who they like. And of course, we're seeing the edited versions of those more successful pod matches. So as they're getting to like a certain person and have feelings, when they go back at the end of the day after their dates are set up, I'm sure it's like a you know whoever's doing the scheduling must have like a, be an ex ex an expert in Excel to get that clear, and especially for the editing. So they all go back. The girls go back to their accommodations, and the guys are you know they're in a separate 
place and you see the competition start to rear its ugly head. And you'll have one girl being like, oh, you know, Dan is the guy for me. I think he's my guy. I, I think he really likes me. And then somebody else really likes Dan. And then Dan is, you know, like becomes the hot commodity. And what I find, find interesting about that aspect is how you let someone else's impression of a person, whether you like them or not, influence you if you allow that to happen. And it's sort of one of those things that you could take outside of this scenario and use, like don't let other people influence you. But when it comes to the influence of competition, they sort of lose their their uh, center with it. And then you can see like there, there'll be one girl maybe is a little weaker or one guy who's a little weaker and either they start to get a little desperate or they start to give up because they think, oh, then so-and-so who I, you know, like another guy who I think is much better looking than than... than that person thinks they are, it starts to become another layer on the decision-making and the process because when you have that competition, you start to have doubt and you have self-doubt and you also start to have doubt about the other person's intentions. Like, is Dan telling me everything that he's telling this other girl? Like, or is he only telling me certain things and I don't know and he's telling me he really likes me, but he doesn't really like me. That's all my own script writing just now. That's not what, but it is what's happening in the show. Okay, so excuse me if you're listening to that. Um, so they start to kind of make themselves a little crazy and desperate and worried. And that goes with the guys too. It's not solo to the to the women. Uh, I lost my place in my notes. Let me just see. Competition. Okay. So, so it definitely colors the experience for them. So as those competitions start to, to rear up and they go back into the pods, they start sort of discussing other people here and there, at least a little bit of what we've seen. I suspect it's a lot more than what we get to see on camera because they're trying to keep it to so many episodes. I would actually like to see more of that. I think if the producers are listening... I would like to see more of that, more of that interaction, what they're discussing, because how are they getting to their decisions? Um, and, you know, some of them have actually, throughout the seasons, told one person, like mostly this happens with a guy saying, I think I'm going to pick, uh, you know, Gina. And they're telling that to Andrea. And Andrea goes, oh, okay, you know, and she sort of gives up. And then they realize, oh, no, it's really... Andrea I want and it's it, but that also inter, injects a, a difference like oh was I the second choice then like there's a lot of stuff that happens and what's what's fascinating about it is it's all based on the ear they still haven't seen each other so you may really like somebody's personality from what you're hearing and remember it's what they're telling you and how they're presenting themselves, but you can't see it. So the impression is different. And we're not, we are such a visual society. It's just so different. And I, as a premise that I, that's why I think this is so interesting. Um, because it's not like The Bachelor where they see each other and like, oh, I like your dress. Oh, you know, and they're running around and having a great time ogling each other. And they're not hearing each other. This is really listening. And it also, you got you get to see who is a better listener uh, than other people. And like, you can kind of start to tell like certain people are only hearing what they want to hear and, and not hearing the red flags. That happened in season two with a certain couple. Uh, it was 
really obvious. And I'm not going to say why, but he, I don't think he was meant to be in this heterosexual matchup. Really obvious to us, but she wasn't hearing it. Anyway, uh, and you know, there's some other things that are obvious that we're seeing, and we see it even after they meet up. So let me move along beyond the pods. So they go back and forth, and then eventually the guys have to decide on one girl, if they, if they find the girl that they think they want to be with and they have to propose and they propose in the pod. So you don't still don't see each other. So you say yes, or you say no. Okay. And the girls are always so happy and overjoyed. Oh yes, yes. You know? So then the next part of this process is the unveiling and you have them, you know, behind one curtain is the girl, one curtain is the guy and they're waiting and they're all nervous. And I love this part because it tells you everything you need to know about how this is going to go. When they open the curtains at the same time, they're at like a long hallway facing each other. And then they're supposed to run to the center and like be very happy or not. And they have never seen each other. They have no idea what they're getting when the, you know, the, the physical attributes of what they're getting when they, when the curtains open. Um, and when I say curtains, it's like a sliding door. So they, they come out and they meet their person that they're already kind of technically engaged to. And then the guy has the ring and he'll give her the ring. And, you know, it's so fascinating because you could tell right away the way the body language is. Some people like run to each other and jump in each other's arms and are so happy. And other people like even just because they're moving slow doesn't mean that they're not happy. They're just like sort of gravitating to each other and then they embrace. Then you get the the people it's very off kilter. One of the couple will like run to the center and the other one's like, here I come. <laughs> oh no, what did I do? And you can tell from that first embrace, typically if there's attraction or not, I think you can tell. If you hear the show before you see the show, Love is Blind, you're going to hear me saying, like, you could tell because you'll see, like, the guy, like, throw his arms around her because he thinks she's, like, so beautiful. And you see the girl go, oh, I don't like him. You know, like, you, they don't say that. But they're, you could tell in their body language, like, hi. Like, they're patting him on the back. Like, hi, hi. <laughs> nice to meet you. So it's, it's very, it's, it's interesting. And it's sad sometimes, too, because you just can tell. You can tell. You're like, oh, she doesn't find him attractive. I think that happens more often where the woman doesn't find the man attractive versus the man f- finding the woman not un- or finding the woman unattractive. That did happen um in season 3. You kind of knew right away with one of the couples that he was not attracted to her and it plays out and then the other ones, you know, some of them where you didn't think they would actually be attracted to each other really were. And and that was interesting. Uh, and it's also, you know, our own perception. Like, I don't think she matches this guy or he matches her, but then they do make a, a good couple. So like, you, you know, so much for what we all see, it's ever changing. Um, and remember, this is all influenced by the producers because they each get their own assistant producer and, you know, they're telling them things like, oh, you know, Dan really likes you. And, uh, oh, he does, he does. Yeah, oh, he's really cute when you see him. So there is uh, some stuff going on, I'm sure. 
I'm sure about that because they got to make a show and they got to fill the time slot. They got a contract with Netflix. So, you know, they got to produce 12 or 15 episodes and it can't be dull because, you know, there's money on the line. They want to get renewed. So, okay. All right, so they get the meeting. You can always tell that's after the proposal. They get the ring on, and then they all, as a group, what however many couples have now matched up, go on a vacation for a week, and or what seems like a week. I think it probably is a week for purposes of filming, and you really get to see them sort of like in the wild together, like how they would be, and they're 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 rooming together, and they're living together, which is very quick. Uh, and they, then they have like, they, they are together and then they have the first night where all the couples, now remember, they've all sort of dated each other through these pods. They've all talked to each other. They've all had intimate conversations with each other and thought things about each other, maybe had feelings. And in some cases there, there, there is some buyer's remorse that goes on and they get to see all the couples that they passed on or not the couples, but the individuals that they passed on, the guys on the girls, the girls on the guys, that they passed on through the pods, you know, they picked whoever they thought they were going to marry or said yes to that person, but now they see the other people. And that's another moment where you go, oh, I can tell he really is attracted physically. And that happens with the men uh, more, again, where the men on the meeting night of the entire group on the vacation week gets to see all the other women that he passed on. You can see whether they have some like buyer's remorse. It did happen, um, in the third season with one of the females and that became controversy. I think they blew it out of proportion to make it more controversy than it had to be. Uh, and then of course, you know, the, the, fiance of that girl he had a big temper and it was all these issues and you know I don't know how much of that I don't know that it would have been such a big deal had he not had that fiance not had such a big temper um so they do all of that you see that and then afterwards they they get together as groups with girls and then the guys and they go wedding dress shopping and they go tuxedo shopping and it's another opportunity for us as the audience to kind of watch like when they're picking the dress and who doesn't like trying on a wedding dress i don't care who you are it's fun it's beautiful like you everything looks so pretty and oh it's the styles and you get to see some of their taste and and they bring some of them bring their friends or their moms or you know family member and it's it is a nice kind of moment and then the guys all go as a group and that's telling the girls are all excited to be in the bridal shop for the most part they really are that so you can't tell whether it's the bride gown the bridal gown or the the idea of this for them that's their excitement is the bridal shop the guys though when they're putting on the tuxedos you can sort of see some of them going huh i don't know like it's almost like it's a noose like they're like and then some of them who are putting on the jackets are like really excited and happy very interesting dynamic very interesting guys versus girls on that um because guys aren't like growing up thinking i can't wait to go to the tuxedo shop and try on my wedding tuxedo Girls are thinking, most girls are from the time, oh, my wedding gown, my wedding gown, especially now with Instagram, like wedding stuff is so prevalent and all the different dresses and oh my God, they're so gorgeous. So, and so different, you know, over the, the different decades. Um, 
Okay, so we talked about the production value and what comes in, the influencing, the guiding, like, you know, Dan really likes you, you know, maybe you like him more. Like you, We don't know what really happens, but some of that, I can assure you, is going on. Um, the, and then, again, it's a need for the behind-the-scenes team to make interesting TV. Because, and when I say that, what I mean by it is not only are you rooting for these people to maybe have a, a love match, you're watching because it's exciting, there's moments, there's shock value, there's certain things that happen. But if those certain things don't happen, then you don't have really good TV. It's sort of like, oh, okay, they're all happy, you know, like a good story has conflict. So when I say to make interesting TV, what I mean is there has to be the controversy, all right? Uh, and w in whatever form that takes, whether it's two girls fighting over a guy, which happens on the on this in this show, you know, two guys like competing for a, a girl after they've already picked, that sort of happened too. Um, questioning self doubt, self doubt. Did I pick the right person? Maybe I should have picked that person. Maybe I shouldn't have picked anybody. What am I doing? Am I ready for this? All those questions you see in certain people, not all of them. Um, and just questioning overall, like, what am I doing here? Like, this is so crazy, and I'm going to marry this person in four or five weeks that I just met. So that's all part of this plan. Uh, and then you do see some bad behavior. You see some bad behavior from some of these people. Uh, and I, I have to say, there, there were only two incidents, I think, out of the three seasons where I thought, ooh, this could actually get uh, violent. But it didn't happen, or at least if it did, we didn't know about it, and they didn't show that. And I'm sure they're, the they have security on uh, set in case anybody's temper gets out or they're overly, you know, inebriated because remember, they are being plied with alcohol all the time on these shows. It's like, oh, we're going to serve you food. Hamburgers are coming. Well, when are they coming? Oh, in a few hours. In the meantime, have some more, you know, tequila because that also loosens everybody up in a very unusual situation and scenario so that they can, you know, the, the vibe is flowing and they, they can sort of be themselves, so to speak. I don't think you really are yourself when you're inebriated, but you're, you're a, a, a slice of yourself that you're putting out there that can make for good TV. All you have to do is watch one episode of the first or second episode of The Bachelor to see that. Those girls, and I know this because I know somebody who was on, as was one of the Bachelorettes, they were plied with alcohol from the minute they got on and they're pressured. Like, why aren't you drinking? Oh, come on, shots, everybody. Shots, shot. oh, the food's coming. Like, here's one potato chip, now have a shot. You know, like that kind of thing. And these girls are somewhat lightweight. You know, they're, they're all bombed. So anyway, okay. Then you have arguments. You have arguments between the couples. You have arguments between, you know, not so much with other people, but there is some like cattiness that goes on between the women. And I say that, don't write me emails. All right. You know what I mean by that. And, and with the guys, the guys get their, you know, their backs up. Uh, insecurities come out big time, big time after the unveiling of seeing everybody. You'll see that both in the men and the women. A lot of personal insecurities. Like, do you like them better? Or they're so much prettier than me? Or that guy's, you know, whatever it is, a lot of insecurities. And then again, like we said, self-doubt in the situation. So you that makes your interesting TV. You have all these, these colors of emotion and things happening and, and all these different uh, puzzle pieces moving around this this 
chessboard of who likes who and who maybe likes that one because they all know each other. They probably shared the same stories with each other and everything you say to people when you first meet them. So like it's, but now you've, you've hooked up and you and you've locked yourself in so that, and then you can't unlock yourself because somebody else is already locked in that you're more interested in. It would have to be mutual. Um, and can that happen? You know, like, so the other side of it is the happiness. You see contentment and you see compatibility and you do have that each season, uh, except for the, each season has proven that there are some couples that have those three things, happiness, contentment, and compatibility more so in the first and third season. And, and it's actually really nice to see. You really like kind of happy for them. You're like, yeah, all right. I'm glad. I hope that this works out. Um, so, okay. The other thing we can also tell when you're watching the show from the outside, like we are as the audience, like I said, like some people shouldn't be in the pods, like in this, this dynamic. Um, you also can tell like who's desperate to find somebody. And who isn't really listening? They're just desperate to be picked and to find somebody because maybe, the, you know, they'll tell you in their little uh, testimonials um, where they'll say like, you know, I'm going to be 30 and my sister's already married and she's got two kids and I want to be married and I want to be married by the time I'm 32. I want to have kids. So that starts to shade some of their uh, decision making and, and their desperation and what they're doing. Um you know, it's, it's, uh, it's those things that those pe that people in these scenarios, the, let, let me stop and get the, be clear for you. I think that it's those moments that when they're doing not so much in the testimonials, cause they know they're going to sit in the chair and be asked questions. So they have time to formulate answers and the questions are pretty much the same probably over and over. But it's the moments where they're like just sharing with either a, a castmate or just sort of like talking to the person, maybe they, where you get to see what they're really feeling and how they're feeling. And, and or, or we assume that's what they're really feeling. I shouldn't actually say that. I should say that we think that's what they're really feeling. And there are moments where you could tell like in their face, facial expressions or body language where you're like, oh, they're not, this is not going well for them. They're trying to make this work. They're really pushing a square peg into a round hole. Um, so interesting about the title. I like to talk about titles. The title of this show officially is Love is Blind. But because Nick Lachey and Vanessa are always saying, we're going to find out, is love blind? Is love blind? Is love blind? Well, why didn't you just call the show Is Love Blind? Because I think it's confusing. Like, is love blind? Because that's what you're trying to answer. Is love blind? Where you fall in love with somebody's heart. You don't need to know whether they have blue eyes or brown eyes or they're six foot tall or, you know, whatever. Uh, what is love blind? Can that, is it possible? And we do see that it's possible. You know, or at least it seems so far from, you know, since they've been filming that this could actually work. Like all these shows, there are some successes. There's not a lot. Statistically, it's a, it's a very small amount of people, but um, but why why aren't they calling the show "Is Love Blind" instead of "Love Is Blind"? Because that sort of has when you look at it with the premise of the show, it sort of changes it. Like, 
Well, we all say that. Love is blind. Oh, you fell in love. You don't see his bad things or hurt things or, you know, that family is crazy or whatever it is. But this is a quest to find out, is love blind? So why didn't they just call the show, is love blind? Huh, Nick? Why? So anyway, <laughs> I know you didn't name it, Nick. I know you didn't. Um, so my my last take on this, and I know I'm going a little long, sorry. Uh, definitely watch it. But here's the thing. If you're a little older than that 20s and 30s set that they've been casting, it'd be really interesting to me to do a Love is Blind, which should be called Is Love Blind, season with older cast mates, older women, older men, that you cannot see, do the same exact setup, the same pods, the premise, the trips, but here is where I think it would be, maybe the statistical rate would be higher for success because as you get older in life, your ear gets trained for the bullshit that people tell you. And I don't know how else to put it. That's really what it is. And you all know what I mean. Like you hear lies or you hear somebody's rap or you just sort of go, what? What are you telling me? Like you start to hear things from people and you go, that doesn't make any sense. What? Can you tell me that again? Like they have a certain, like your ear is trained to hear the lies. And that comes after you've been lied to. You start to hear certain things. You hear inflections that change. You just know what to, I don't want to say look because you're not looking to listen for. And when you get that like little inkling and then you go, oh, this isn't right. Something's not right here. I'm not getting the full story. So it would be very interesting to me to see this experiment done with older people who've had life experience, have had many relationship experiences or failed marriages or whatever, and go into the pods and see if they can find love just based on hearing from someone and learning about someone. Um, because I think as you get older too, while you still have certain types and you're attracted to, you might not be as like, oh, he's got to be six foot tall, you know, um, or she's got to, I don't know, you know, be petite or whatever it is that you like in a person typically when you're younger or you have a type that you go for. You might be more open to things. So that's just my, my closing uh, thought for this show. So I don't think I had any big flubs today. Thank you for listening all the way through. <laughs> I didn't say it was the wrong day. Um, so thanks very much. Uh, again, this is the, s- the second show for February. I know I'm coming in late uh, and I will be doing two more in March. Um, and the reason I'm late this week is I, I had some technical di- difficulties and then there was, uh, I was supposed to record and there was a helicopter literally outside my window and it's a long story. In any case, thank you so much. And also, I want to say thank you to the Spotify uh, listeners and follows. If you do know people who would like the show, please share. Find me on Apple. Find me anywhere you find your podcasts uh, on Anchor. And I'm really happy when I went to Spotify and I saw how many people had started to follow me recently. It made me really happy. And again, on, also on Apple. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, so love is blind or is love blind? Okay. Lucy Weston for Chick Flick Chat. And that's a wrap. This is Lucy Weston. Thank you so much for listening to this updated 
podcast of Chick Flick Chat, and you can always find me at betterbrightereasier.com, home of Rumigator, the natural neutralizer. Chat with you next time. Bye for now.